is David Rosen of the Piecing It Together podcast, and I want to welcome you to the Time Shifters podcast. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. Your hosts, Christopher and Matt, would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with them. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow the two on Twitter, Christopher is at Time Shifters Pod, and Matt is at Movies at the Matt. Or you can send them a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. Now, from the Time Shifter Studio, here are Christopher and Matt. Matt, how you been? I'm good. Excellent. We've had a fun couple of weeks. We've actually got quite a lot of uh, news stories and trailers that have come out in the last couple of weeks. So I think this this show is going to be mostly up front. <laughs> and it's just going to be a real short segment on the actual film. I don't know. I got things to say about this film. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll see what you have to come up with. I'll go ahead and um, you want to talk to trailers or the news first? Trailers, probably trailers. trailers. You know, holiday season's coming up, so all the trailers are dropping. Even if they're not coming out over the holidays, they just yeah. want you excited. Oh yeah, because some of these movies aren't coming out until April. <laughs> yeah, like spring or summer yeah. of next next year. Yeah, uh, the first one I think came out since we recorded was the new Captain Marvel trailer. Yeah. Which you weren't as crazy about. You kind of liked the sort of the vagueness of the teaser, didn't you? I love vague trailers. You give me, show me a tone, show me like a style of how it looks, and then let's just stop right there. This one got way more into plot, which is nice to know the plot, but this one felt so much more like, oh, we're, it's superhero origin. Which we're, I'm done with. I'm yeah. done with that. And I get that's what it's going to be, but don't tell me that's what it's going to be. Let me just experience that in the theater. I still haven't been able to figure out whether we're really going to get the full origin up front or if it's going to be like we had thought maybe from that teaser that we we're going to get the origin through just her flashbacks, her memory flashbacks. Right. This didn't do that as much. The, and this wasn't as fun. You know, this wasn't like crashing into Blockbuster right. and, you know, just walking along and looking cool. This was more of... A, B, C, and then getting to X, Y, Z for right. your movie. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we didn't just have, like, the, the final, like, eight seconds was just her, like, punching something into submission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, we still don't know exactly how we're going to get the information that we're getting in the trailers. I mean, you can take a lot of a movie and trim it into a trailer, and you still have no idea, Yeah, you know, chronologically how it's all going to play out. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, we I, may get a full origin story, but it might be in the middle of the film. It's possible. It's like yeah. the second act is, oh, remember yeah, when? <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't think it was a bad trailer. I just really prefer that first one. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. What do you, are you, are you still kind of Jonesons for the film? Do you like oh, what you see? Yeah. yeah. It's Brie Larson. I'll watch her read the phone book. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, then you definitely get, I, I just, it occurred to me, uh, I didn't think about it, that she was in Kong Skull Island. So you got to. Oh, really? You got to go and watch that now so we can talk about it. (laughs) I'll go. I'll go find out. I really liked her in that, too. Yeah. She's phenomenal. There's nothing I've seen her in that that she's bad in. Even if she's only in for something for like two minutes, it's like, those were great two minutes. (laughs) Excellent. Since I just brought up uh, King Kong, then we'll go ahead and talk about the new Godzilla Godzilla. King of the Monsters trailer, where we finally get some snapshots of uh, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan. This trailer I thought was better than the you liked first it better one. than the first one because the other one was just sort of like silhouette. What of a was it? So, yeah. Right. What the hell was that? Nice, nice soundtrack. Right. And but this trailer still and this probably still vague enough for you right. because we still have no idea what's going on. The other one was too vague. The other one was just sort of like there are monsters. We're out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this one, there's monsters. They're gonna fight. Yeah, and it's and gonna be cool. Which, which ones are gonna fight with us? Which ones are gonna yeah. fight against us? Yeah, much better. Yeah, but you have no idea how any of that comes in, how it begins, what happens after. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm and getting I, excited. I love that whole part in the trailer. It's like, oh, so we're gonna make Godzilla our pet? No, we're his, his. pet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Okay, that's I wasn't. Good. I wasn't a huge fan of Legendary's Godzilla. I mean, it was fine. It right. wasn't the best Godzilla. It was just okay. Um, but I was a big fan of their King Kong, which mm-hmm. is what gave me a lot of hope for this film. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited. I've got a, some Godzilla friends that refuse to watch the trailers <laughs> because they just want us to go see the film. But uh, I can't help it. I have to watch the trailer. I think the problem with that first Godzilla movie was, and it's a problem a lot of 
Godzilla movies, like the ones made in America have, is it kept telling the story over the shoulder of the people. Mm -hmm. This trailer really makes you think it's being told over the shoulder of Godzilla and the monsters. Maybe. Like a lot of like the Japanese ones are. Yeah. Uh, I would disagree with that, I think. Really? Yeah. I think most of the Japanese monsters, certainly the ones that people would consider as the, the better Godzilla films, are more of the the characters of the people and what they had to do while the monster battle was going on. Okay. Yeah, the monster battle is kind of like icing on the cake of a really great uh, uh, story, just person story. I can't, I can't think of the right word. Then the first one didn't pull it off. No, absolutely not. I mean, it had its moments, but overall, it's just like, I don't care about these characters. I don't care if somebody, yeah. if they live or die. Yeah, no, that's I'm not the problem attached I to them. No, I think it very much tried to tap into the vein of the really good Toho Godzilla films, but it just failed by, it wasn't that interesting for the story, and okay. the characters you had weren't anyone I wanted to care about. Right. I was like, oh, is he going to die? Because I kind of hope he, he dies. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. You know, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. That's where I was with that movie. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I'm really, I'm getting excited for this for this film. I, If nothing else, it's because it's a Godzilla film. I get to go to a movie theater and sit and watch it. And do you think it's the right call? It's only the second Godzilla movie. It's only the third in what they're trying to make this franchise that here it is. All the monsters are showing up. Yeah. Do you think that's the right call? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. Um, probably. Like, are we going to? It's take... going to get the people in the seats. I mean, if it comes right. down to you want a good opening weekend, that's what it's going to do. But right. as far as a, a story or a um, kind of creating a universe, I'm not sure because then, I mean, if you have these monsters, you you introduce them all, and depending on how you dispatch them, whether you you know, dispatch them and, okay, they're dead, that would be a mistake. You have to do some sort of vague, oh, he dived into the volcano. Well, we won't see him again, you know, three years later. Oh, my God, he's back. You know, that's what you need. Or could you have told, like, done a series of movies where you find out, like, you do, like, three or four movies introducing all of these monsters just to find out these are all happening at the same time. Mm. Yeah, these movies are coming out years apart, but all of these stories are happening simultaneously. You could do something where, like, you know, somebody's running by, and then there's a news report of something happening in another city Mm. where one of the other monsters is currently happening. And then we get to that team-up movie or, you know, the all the monster movie, and it's like, okay, and that's... Ten minutes after each of those other movies ended, yeah, that would that would have been really interesting. Even if it wasn't, if you could have just done a monster on monster, but not necessarily Godzilla on that monster, yeah. you know, and just tell these different. And like you said, yeah, because you know, one could be set in New York, and oh my gosh, it's Rodan and Mothra is going to fight it, and that's the movie. And then you, yeah, you hint at the fact that something similar is going on with some three headed dragon and some other monster. That would have been an interesting way to go about it. But I think you have to have Godzilla to sure. get people in the theaters. That's what people really want to see. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it depends on how they end this film, how they end these monsters, how what the conclusion is. Because I think you have to, if you want to continue, you have to be able to bring these things back. Because that's that's the spirit of Godzilla. Right. You know? <laughs> so how do you do that if you put them all in one movie? Yeah. And then they're all gone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't vaguely dispatch them uh, all of them. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> just so, to bring them back. Just to bring them back later somehow. Yeah, it's a little interesting. Uh, we'll just see. I mean, maybe if they want to do it and bring them all out and go, okay, and now we're going to do the King Kong versus Godzilla, and that's going to be kind of, we're, we're done. We're good. Then, no studio will ever do that. Not yeah. if it makes money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about Legendary, though. I don't know if they're the ones that, are they going to be the ones that are going to go trying to grab every dollar they can or are they going to try to tell some decent stories have a fun run and then go all right that's good we're we're finished no, no. <laughs> okay no studio ever all right well we'll see how it all pans out but yeah yes yeah, so i don't is it a mistake i mean to go back to we'll see it's yeah it's gonna have to be a wait and see uh, what other trailers that we saw? Oh, the Avengers trailer. The Avenger, which was vague, tone, <laughs> don't release another trailer, which yeah. a lot of people said. I saw comment after comment of people going, I don't want anything else. Good. Let's just get to this movie. I will wait. I will wait till April. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And I'm one of those people. Yep. Here's a bunch of people. Stark in space might die. Let's just leave it at that. 
Earth is a bleak, bleak place right, right now. Half the people in the universe have just disappeared. No one really knows what's going on. little caveat to that. Not half of people, half of every living creature. The Russos have come out and said, animals. Oh, really? Interesting. Right. And so somebody like made a website, like, did your pet survive the snap? <laughs> nice. The fun. Yeah, I haven't been brave enough to go to any of those. Did you survive? I, did. I I went to one and I survived. My wife did not, so oh, I'm mad at Thanos. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm very mad at Thanos. That's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, I thought it was a great trailer. And I love I love the end. Mm-hmm. And Where I, Ant-Man shows up. Yeah, and I love the little memes that have come up that you all thought it was going to be this person to save the universe, and there's a picture of Captain Marvel. What's really this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and there he is at the gate. Hey! Hey! <laughs> yeah. I got really big in Germany. Yeah, Ant-Man, you, you know that. Can you buzz me in? <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I thought there, you know, when you think about um, watching um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I only finally just watched um, just like a couple, like a week or so ago. And in the end, he, the snap comes you, yeah. in, in, in the trailer. That kind of blew me away. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I actually finally saw Infinity War before I watched that, because I wouldn't know what the heck like, was going what on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's in the, uh, what, what is it? The, the, the quantum the, realm. The, the quantum, quantum realm when everyone else disappears. And you wonder, is he going to be like the anomaly? Should he have been snapped away? Yeah. But because he was in that quantum realm, uh-huh. it, yeah, is he that? The, the outlier right. that's going to kind of like throw everything off that allows him to be the one to save the day. I'm yep. like, oh, I like it. Exactly. I just like it. It's hard sci-fi right there. Yeah, very much. No, that was a fantastic post-teaser trailer there too because I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but how does he get out? Yeah, how does he get out? Well, he, you know, at the end of this trailer, the Avengers trailer, he's outside the gate with the van. So... I guess somehow he made it out on his own. Or does he? Because as a lot of people point out, is that moment happening live? They don't actually say it. Steve even says, is this a recording? All Black Widow responds with is... That's at the front gate. That's at the front gate. But is it at the front gate now? Mm. Oh, Because you got a lot of eagle-eyed people that are like, well, the outside looks overgrown. Because Avengers headquarters used to just be like this old Stark warehouse that nobody used until Tony Stark was like, well, let's just make that the new Avengers headquarters. So, because when he goes into the quantum realm, uh, Janet Van Dyne says to him, you know, watch out for like those time vortexes. Like you can get lost. Does he get sent into the past? Mm. Does he think he's showing up? Because he's been there before in the first Ant-Man. So he would know it was there. Right. So is he showing up? Like, is he like stuck in the 80s or the 90s? Is he stuck when Captain Marvel's around doing her stuff? And he's leaving a recording that they just found. People are like really overanalyzing wow. it. And I love that. Yeah, you kind of blew my mind there. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Uh, I think it's going to be... Uh... It's gonna 2019 is gonna be a hell of a year. Yep. <laughs> We're not gonna make it through to 2020 with these films. Nope. Everything's gonna Do be we a, need to. <laughs> everything's gonna be a downhill slide after this. Another trailer that came out. This is yours. You're you're the one that uh, brought this to my attention. Brightburn, being produced by James Gunn, who this trailer does such an amazing job of looking and sounding and feeling like the Man of Steel trailer. Yes. They almost borderline infringe on copyright with the music. They use the same fonts. They do the same like after effects and the filters to the point where you're thinking like, why are we getting another Superman origin? Are they rebooting Superman? Only to find out this is a story about a young boy who has these Superman-like powers and maybe he wants to kill everybody. Yeah, this is if Superman had grown up to be a serial killer. Well, he doesn't even grow up. He's still That's, a kid. Oh, he's like okay, Superboy. <laughs> he's like a young teenage kid, and so it, it really is just this sort of. He doesn't even get to that point. He's just slaughtering people. It's a horror movie. It is. And is this based on some property or another? I don't know if it's. I might. I didn't look into it that deeply, I'm, but it reminded me of this uh, graphic novel I love called Irredeemable, which was written by Mark Wade, which tells the story of what if the world's greatest hero became the villain, and it's very much this Superman-like character. I Watching this trailer and then seeing what happens in the trailer, it, it makes me wonder how DC even allowed 
something like this. Just enough difference and you can't do anything. But uh, I, what difference? I mean, they show the trailer. It's like he he crash lands in some spaceship. He's adopted by some Earth parents. He has powers. They hide the powers and, you know, or the, the whatever it is in the barn. It's like, this is Superman. <laughs> There's a lot of superheroes though with that origin that uh, maybe they don't they don't own spaceships crashing to Earth they don't own the red cape oh they, that's true I guess they don't own barns you know as so long as you don't say the Kent Farm you're okay yeah yeah this is Carl right <laughs> I know he's only producing but you know James Gunn does dark horror well and the person who the the writing and directors are people like he's worked with a lot before so they're all kind of in that same mindset. So I look forward to it. I think it could be a really good, scary movie. Yeah. Do you think this is James Gunn's kind of, um, you know, he was fired from mm-hmm. from the Marvel Universe with all the good guy superheroes. Is this his kind of like thumbing a nose back at him by kind of turning it on its head? That happened so recently ago that this thing had to have been, you know, well past like shooting that i i could see it being more of how they cut the trailer because they didn't even say like the name of the director or the name of the writer or anything like it was that. just visionary producer yeah. james gunn and right. i wonder if it's more of just his way of kind of dipping his toe back into like getting into like the public eye because mm. this trailer has been very well received and a lot of people were laughing at like that that title card of like you know mm-hmm. visionary the visionary director of guardians of the galaxy right. and everyone was just sort of like oh that's a slight at marvel <laughs> ha, ha, ha. and it's like Everyone's on board with this. Yeah. No one's like, oh, get rid of him. He's a bad person. Like, people are like, yeah, welcome him back. Mm. And so I think that's what it more of is. This is James Gunn trying to, like, see if the, the public will let him back. And so far, yes. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this. If it's a film that ends up doing really well, mm-hmm. are we going to get more, like, superhero horror I'd movies? I'd be down for superhero horror. I mean, we've seen hard R comedy, right? Superhero comedy with Deadpool, but yeah, there's a genre that there's a niche there that hasn't necessarily been filled. Mm-hmm. It's so it'll be interesting to see if this is what kind of sparks it. And there's a lot of really good properties out there that would be great for like horror. Like imagine I, like a Swamp Thing. Like imagine yeah, sure, you know, oh, a good Constantine movie. <laughs> Swamp Thing is a great example. That is one that was you know when the film was made, it was kind of horror but it was really more action adventure you know they really kind of toned down what it could have been Mm -hmm. i would love to see a brand new hard r swamp thing i think that would be a perfect perfect uh property for something like that which they're working on for their like dc streaming service as a show but i don't know what the tone's gonna be i'd actually like to see more films just like this one where it kind of takes a Superman mythos and turns it on its ear. Yeah. Do it to all the, some of these others, like what would really happen if you were bitten by a radioactive spider? Chances are you wouldn't be, you know, that's the fly. (laughs) That is good point. That's already been done. (laughs) Fantastic point. All right. Well, I think that's all the trailers that we've, that we've wanted to talk about. Yeah couple news stories one i just wanted to bring up this one was pretty i'm a bit of a you know space science nerd when it comes you know i'm I'm all excited by things that we've accomplished with uh, our space travel and our space probes and voyager 2 has now left the solar system traveling into interstellar space by <laughs> following voyager well, voyager 1 did this in uh, 2012 so voyager 2 now is out there the two farthest uh, objects created by man still and blows me away, still working. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still doing their thing. They're still sending back data. That's amazing. Uh, both these things were launched in 77. But I got to replace my phone every two years. What I hell? know. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me that NASA money. <laughs> well, if you want to carry around a phone that's powered by decaying radioactive material. Yeah, if it'll last longer, sure. <laughs> it's it'll, worth it. <laughs> if it'll last 40 years, uh, you're good with that? You're okay? Is that or Nokia? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but I, I just find it exciting that these things are, I mean, these are solid state, you know, vacuum tube technology. There is no microchips. There's no circuit boards. It's all wires and tubes. And it's just, they're, they're still just plugging away. Mm-hmm. And until they're little, until that, uh, that little, it's like a thimble of radioactive material finally decays. And that's where they get their electricity from until that finally 
finishes off, they'll keep going. Or, or they'll if something still keep hits going. Them, well, yeah, they're going to say they'll keep going. They'll keep still keep sending stuff back to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just find it amazing. Yeah, and they will. And until they hit something or something hits them, they're going to just keep wandering through the universe. And I, I just, I love it. I hope it hits something like somewhere on some other planet it's going to land somewhere and freak some other race out and they're going to start telling their <laughs> horror movies like, we don't know where the hell this came from and we're covering it up and they're going to have their version of Roswell. I was just going to say <laughs> some, our fault. some societies that's yes, in the that basically like the up. early 20th century level technology. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> or even something that's further advanced that just, you know, didn't point their, their <laughs> telescopes in our right direction way. yet. They're all looking the other way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. And, kind of tied in or related them which kind of jumps right into my other uh news story because you know famously star trek the motion picture was about a voyager probe having been found by a very advanced technology and then sent back mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, after this is your after, garbage <laughs> after after gaining sentience tangentially related little golden books is publishing <laughs> Uh, in 2019, January 2019, they're going to be publishing some books based on Star Trek, the original series. And these things, they just uh, have the covers of the two first books that are going to come out, the I Am Captain Kirk and I Am Mr. Spock. And the covers are just fantastic. I might have to buy these just to have them, just to have them even though I have no one of the right age to give them to or anything. Just go around to a daycare. Can I read this to your kid, please? <laughs> <laughs> There's a third book on the way called Too Many Tribbles. Pass. <laughs> the artwork The artwork looks fantastic. I mean, it's little golden books. Right? We all grew up with these things on on the shelves, and it's. I think it's fantastic. They're doing something like this. Mm-hmm. It's just, it kind of warms my heart. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be picking these books up just, just because just because it's Star Trek and I'll have them on a shelf and just to see the covers and be able to smile when I look at them. So I got one of the, uh, two other things. Um, this was interesting. It wasn't really so much a study. It was just a, a quick collection of data. Between the years 2014 and 2017, it was discovered that female-led movies have outperformed uh, male-led movies financially. I thought that was just a little interesting bit of information that's getting released. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I, it's interesting that it took this long for someone to kind of compile it all to figure this out. And it, maybe it is a little surprise. I'm sure it comes as a surprise to some people. Certainly probably comes as a surprise to some studios where they go, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I think the studios would be more surprised than anybody. I wasn't surprised because I think it's one of those things of you have you have a demographic that would like to see themselves represented on film. They've seen mm-hmm. the other thing over and over and over again. We all have. Change is good. Yeah. Representation is good. <laughs> you know, and it, something else that um, it was another news story that I, I was thinking of bringing up, but I, I it slipped my mind until you just brought this up. Talking about change is good. The first thing I thought of was, you know, we're talking about the male-led films, and we have seen it all before. We've seen all the Mission Impossible's. We've seen the James Bonds. We've seen, you know, the 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 rugged, handsome, you know, super spy or action adventure hero. And I, I'm not in these films. I'm sure they're like they're talking about not just action adventure and that sort of stuff. I'm sure they're talking about romance and comedies and and everything as well. But um, the uh, the recent change in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Where for over fifty years the lead has been a male. This year, uh, the Doctor regenerated into a female for the first time, and it turned out to be a good move on their part. It was the ratings time, are through the roof. The ratings are better than they've been in, in a long time. Uh, the stories have been fairly decent. I've been very, I've been watching, and I've been very happy with Jodie Whittaker. I think um, it's well, it's her first year and i think you know sometimes it takes time for an actor to sort of work themselves into the role and calm down yeah. a little bit and i'm happy to say that she says she's going to return for a second year although it probably won't be until 2020 but she's going to come back so i'm i'm hopeful that that will happen and she will settle into the role a little bit unfortunately actors nowadays only tend to stick with the role for a few years mm-hmm. so she's probably only going to do it maybe another year after this if she's you know, follow suit, but, uh, I've been thrilled with it. And it's kind of one of these things where I wanted to make sure that when they did it, they didn't start writing the doctor as a woman. 
mm-hmm. or make a point that, oh, now I'm a woman and now I'm a woman. And they just, just write the doctor. Yeah. And so what if it's a woman? And it's worked. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. These stories could be told or could be done with anybody and they still would have been, you know, either, they're either going to be good or they're bad. I think she's done a fantastic job. And they've, the, the, the new showrunner has taken, he's loved by some, hated by others. I think he's done an okay job. Uh, the stories recently, though, the, this this past year, it makes me wish they could go back to the old uh, four-part, half-hour stories mm. of, of the classics. I think some of these stories could have used some more room to breathe, and they had to compress them into, you know, 50 minutes. So I thought it was a little bit of a shame. But again, the fact that the doctor's a woman, the ratings are good, the, she's a good actor, and it didn't matter. It didn't destroy the show, right. you know? So there's always those talks about, oh, could James Bond be a woman? And yes, like, <laughs> probably. Yeah, I don't see really why not. You know, um, we've had other female super spies. You know, that probably needed a better script. You sure. Know? Um, but yeah, even even the comedies, that, the female led comedies, I think, have been mm-hmm. better than Very a lot good. of the male comedies in the recent years. So yeah, absolutely. I. I I'm fine with it. Do I think that all movies should be female-led? No, of course not. But don't discount them. Right. Don't have someone come to you with a script and go, well, yeah, well, I think the guys, you know, just read the script. And if it's a good script, make the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's what Time Shifter says. So obviously <laughs> Hollywood's going to jump too. <laughs> the other thing I have, this isn't news. I don't believe we've brought this up any other time and I keep seeing it pop up on Twitter so I decided let's bring it up now and we'll be we'll we'll be just a little bit late in terms of the day when this episode drops but we're still in the right time frame. So here's the question that riles everybody up and I'm one of them. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> it is if you want it to be. It's not. <laughs> I am a hard no, it's not. Really? Just because it takes place during Christmas, you, it doesn't exactly. count as a Christmas movie. How does Christmas play into it that that it had to be there? Mm. If you take Christmas out, is the movie any different? All Christmas really does is it gets the building empty, but the building could have been empty because it was after working hours. The building right. could have been empty because it was New Year's. The building could have been empty because it was Thanksgiving. It could have been empty for any reason. Well, does Bruce Willis repeatedly say that, you know, he just wants to go home to his family, you know, for Christmas? Is that really, that's not really the reason. He goes out there because she invited him. Mm-hmm. That That's it. She could have invited him for the 4th of July. She could no, I'm saying, him. but he doesn't do that. Right, See, exactly. any, right. he doesn't. Yeah, it, if it were made to be a Christmas movie, it would be, you know, the, our main character, his main drive would just be... Seeing his family for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't the case. He he. only reason he goes out there is because she invites him. You can make the argument she's inviting him because it's Christmas, but she's inviting him because she's finally getting over being mad at him. That can happen any day of the year. <laughs> There's no Christmas holiday message. There's just some Christmas music, which I love. Right. I love that. You just would have changed the soundtrack and it still would have been the same movie. I think, you know, there's no tradition like your own tradition is how I view it. So right. If, but there are so many people out there that are like, no, it's a Christmas movie. Christmas no, plays into no. it. And I get It's people. a movie that you watch during Christmas. Right. That's fine. But you can yeah. watch it any time of year. Exactly. And it's still fine. Right. And the fact that it takes place in L.A. and it's not cold and there's no snow and there's nothing else that looks like Christmas other than one character wears a Santa hat for like one scene. That's it. Yeah. There wasn't uh, Gremlins... Uh, Take, didn't that take place at Christmas? And I feel that's does, more of a does, Christmas movie. It does. Because does, he's a Christmas present. Christmas does play. Like, it could have been a birthday, okay. but... Well, there you go. So it kind of kind of is the exception that proves the rule kind of thing. No one says... I don't, I don't see a big push to call Gremlins a Christmas movie, even I, though it probably fits the, in better than Die Hard. Right. The Die Hard argument has made people, like, look at other movies now, and Gremlins is one of those. And ah. I'm like, but no, Christmas plays because he's a Christmas present. That's why the dad went and bought him. Mm-hmm. So it it works. Oh yeah, because um, the whole thing why she doesn't like Christmas is because of her dad and the chimney and the yeah, which I had forgotten about until I watched it. Just it a, plays. Or last it has year. a role. Yeah. 
So that, yeah, it's more of, a, of an actual Christmas movie by the definition of what I think of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, yes. Yeah. But if you want to watch Die Hard every Christmas because it takes place during Christmas. Yeah. So if anybody wants to argue with me, because <laughs> I know I'm in the minority, although Bruce Willis himself has come out and said it's not a Christmas movie. So there is my ultimate ace in the <laughs> hole. You want to argue? Fine. I got the star of the film on my side. Come argue with me. I want you to do it. Make sure you tag Bruce Willis uh, if, if he's on, if he, if he is on Twitter. <laughs> you can get me on Twitter. You can write to us. I want to hear it. Okay, there you go. So yeah, it, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, and why? You got it. Can't say just yes or no. Right. Got to give some good examples as to why it's a Christmas movie, and I'll debunk it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all the news stories and the yeah. trailers and everything. All right. We'll take a break, and when we get back, we're going to look at 1994's unreleased The Fantastic Four. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs that comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. All right, this was my suggestion. It was a film that I just finally watched myself because it f- found its way to uh, to YouTube after many, many years of just floating around the convention center uh uh, bootleg tables. Never really could bring myself to spend the ten or twenty bucks people wanted for the VHS or DVD. Now you're gonna. <laughs> I do think this film deserves a release of some kind. It needs to be released on DVD or officially released on video on demand. It shouldn't just be this film that the story is. For those who don't know. The studio that made this film had the rights to the Fantastic Four. Those rights were getting ready. If they didn't do something with them soon, they were going to revert back to Marvel. So they spent as, as little as possible on the budget, which I think was only like $3 million or something. It shows. <laughs> and then they, they made a film. They you know Actors, special effects, did everything. All they had to do to keep the rights is to make a film and premiere it. So they had to do the full thing. It has to be a completed film and everything. And they did a premiere, and then they shelved the the project. Yep. Now, everyone involved in making this film, the director, the actors, the special effects guys, everybody, no one knew that that was the intent. And I read that the actors all paid publicists out of their own pocket to help with promoting this movie. And then all of a sudden, one day, everybody received a cease and desist order. Yeah. It's a little rough. Uh, I feel this is one of those films where I feel very sorry for the people involved. Yeah. Because no one sets out, no one set out to go, well, other than the studio, set out to make, just just, just make it, a we nothing. don't, to make it nothing, we don't care. It doesn't really matter how it turns out because uh, no one's going to see it anyway. So they all put their heart and souls in this film. Yeah. And I do think it shows. I think... Everything, you know, whatever the budget was, every single cent is on the screen for this film. Even if, I mean, it wasn't a big budget, but every dollar is on the screen. Uh, there is no wasted, you don't know what they what what they spend that on. I think a good portion of the budget probably went to the Thing costume. Sure. Which was actually fairly impressive. It was kind of the level of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of yeah, the time. Yeah, that's what I thought too when I saw it. The plot itself is pretty much the plot we've seen in any time they've tried to do a Fantastic Four. Every single little origin story, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, the group of scientists, um, Sue and Johnny, brother and sister, things, the everybody's exactly how you expect. I mean, they're the Fantastic Four. And they, are, they go to space, they get blasted by gamma radiation or something, and they get superpowers. And then they decide to use their superpowers to help humanity. 
I mean, to fight the Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, which is there to be a villain for villain's sake. <laughs> which was apparently he was a you know a colleague of Reed Richards in the past, and uh, friends in college. Yeah, and uh, but they were they were friends and that's right they were just in college colleagues. They weren't working. They were working together in college, yeah. but and then an accident, and I believe they even thought that uh, he had died, mm-hmm. uh, but he was taken for who knows what reason to right. some other some country in the middle of nowhere. In fact, if you've seen the two uh, thousands, what was it? The twenty two thousand five two thousand five Fantastic Four, same plot. Yep, <laughs> it's it's pretty much exactly the same yeah. story. So if you see, kind of follows it beat for beat, like even like where where Ben Grimm is getting angry that you know he looks like a freak and what runs away runs and then comes off. back and mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I'm sitting there going like this is the same movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, this one was first, <laughs> right? <laughs> and what's really funny is they told the same story with the same, pretty much the same response and everything for a fraction of what the newer film did, mm-hmm. and so a lot of that money wasn't on the screen i don't know where all that money went in the 2004 2005 version uh i'm sure craft that was services a, craft <laughs> service, yeah i'm sure that was a multi-hundred million dollar you know ridiculous amount of money budget and you get something that's no better than the film they made for a few million dollars 20 years ago 10 years ago so whatever they're it was. both bad <laughs> <laughs> they're both bad they no. there's not been a truly great or even halfway good fantastic four movie i guess that first one's okay because like it looks good yeah visually it's fine uh i love chris evans as johnny storm that's it yeah michael chiklis isn't bad mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> yeah well and that's kind of how i felt with with this one i think as far as um fantastic four films i actually find this 94 version more entertaining than the 2005 I found it frustrating. Really? Yeah. It was a, for me, it was a bad movie. It wasn't even a bad, it's fun movie. It was just a bad movie. The, I can forgive some problems I had, like the lighting was bad, the editing was bad, you know, because I wonder how much of that was kind of the studio, like just trying to like say, okay, wrap it up because they really knew what was going on versus, you know, was that their best effort kind of thing? But, the things I can't forgive were like the acting choices and the dialogue. It was so hammy, just wasn't delivered well. Like I wrote down some of these lines that like no one can deliver these lines. No, the casting was a little a little rough on oh. this one. The acting talent was, you know, they were they're fine actors for kind of character actors for bit roles, for small roles yeah. in other films or in television, but to carry a film no, they they couldn't really be. They couldn't be terribly convincing. Uh, particularly uh, Rebecca Stab um, as Sue Storm oh, was so bad. So rough time delivering some lines there. I mean, there's the part where the four of them decide to go like work together on their the science project, and then Mama Storm just goes, "Look at you." The Fantastic Four and the camera's doing like an upshot and there's like a musical tone and I just, I actually like face palmed. I was like, this is so, wow. The other is, you know, Ben Grimm accidentally bumps into a woman and, and breaks the statue she's holding and she falls down and then he immediately picks her up and says to her, it's okay, I got you, you're safe with me. It's like, I don't think she is, you just knocked her over. Why would you say that to a person? And then Johnny Storm later goes, Look at me, sis. I guess playing all those video games has finally paid off. Ugh, no one can make those lines work. No. I was going to say it's a victim of being a product of its time. Um, it's, those are just the sort of lines. I'd almost really think it was probably a little late to the game. Those lines and some of the story would have worked 10 years earlier. I mean, it was yeah. a very 80s movie for being in the middle of the 90s. It really felt 80s. And I kept thinking, like, it also had the look and feel of a kid's show. Mm. If you took this exact same movie, exactly how it is, and cut it up into, like, five 22-minute episodes... Get, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, because that's what it looked like. That's what it kept reminding me of, just the way the sets were and the way it was lit and how their costumes were. And, like, it really felt like the first couple episodes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And this would have killed as a kid's show. Kids would have eaten this up. I was, like... 
nine or ten years old when this came out, I would have loved the hell out of it then. Now I just look at it a cheap, bad movie. <laughs> but if you change nothing and sell it to a bunch of like under ten year olds, you've got something. So for the third episode in a row, we've come up with a film that would have made a better series. Yeah. <laughs> well, not not Last Dragon. That was oh, that's right. That was, that was Last movie. Dragon. But the other ones, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The two before that, yes, were both films we thought would be a better series. This yeah. would, yeah, this would have been an amazing children's TV show, and that was the other part of it. I, I, it had that feel of like this is for kids, but then it deals with like romance and you know, oh, I look like a monster. Yeah. Like who was the audience? Oh, right? Yeah. W- w- was it a bunch of like school age kids, or was this for adults? Mm-hmm. Especially since it's coming out in the mid nineties, where post Tim Burton's Batman. That's the look and feel of superhero movies now. You know, it's just before, like, Blade. Oh, good point. Where, who is this for? This this was more akin to Adam West's superhero. A little bit. Than, where, than when it was taking place. So I don't get what their target audience was, which I guess there wasn't one. But exactly. when you wrote it, and you shot it, and you acted in it, on set, how come no one's looking around going... Who are we doing this for? Mm, How should I be acting? Good point. How should I be shooting this? How should I be CGIing this? Who is it for? Yeah. Because I feel like it should have been on Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, obviously the studio is not going to put too much effort in trying to get a target audience because right. they did, they never intended it to have an audience but you're right there there has to be a certain level where the director or somebody is going yeah is this really going to work um especially with like you were saying with some fantastic examples of where things have gone you do feel like this is kind of like a a, a throwback but maybe you know maybe he was thinking that this was for the the younger the younger kids um maybe not children children but maybe you know, young adults that could handle the little bit of romance or and even if it was the younger kids and, you know, Sue and Reed kiss, they all go, Ooh, right. you know, whatever. And that would have been fine. Cause outside of that, I don't think there was really any language or other, other no. or any other heavy themes that couldn't be, you know, in, in a children's film, certainly coming out of the eighties or nineties, we've seen how dark and disturbing some children's films can be. This is true. <laughs> So that definitely not wouldn't hold him back. The other part that really bothered me was just kind of how they established how they all knew each other. And you kind of get that like 10 years earlier, like mm-hmm. opening. And I'm like, oh, Reed knew Sue when she was like a what? teenager, 13, 13. Yeah. Like, that's creepy. That yeah. he knew her when she was a kid. That, that sorry. No, that I that freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. So yeah, ten years later. So now she's in her young twenties, and Reed is, I, I don't know, forty. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know how old he's really supposed to be. They just, it's this. She gets to be a different actress, you right? Know, and, he's but he's the same guy. He's the same guy. They just, they just uh, fade his uh, his temples white. Some of those shots, it was like a nice kind of blend of gray, and others, it's like it's silver. It's, it's like reflective silver yeah, it's like a paintbrush <laughs> oh my gosh it was so inconsistent well they spent so much money on the thing they couldn't afford a decent uh, right. dye job for reed we, we ran out of dye just quick swiping with some white paint on the side of his head <laughs> i was actually really impressed with the the thing uh suit that they had wasn't bad uh, that was really good again for a film that i've hesitated i had never bothered to watch only heard, heard stories about and knew it was extremely low budget. I was expecting a lot worse. And he actually, no, that thing suit was actually really good. I mean, the face could emote to some extent. Yeah. He could he could move. Uh, it never really looked like a suit necessarily. You didn't catch a lot of like bend his arm and it wrinkles kind sure. of thing. Yeah. I don't know how exactly they hid that kind of stuff. But is actually really impressive because I mean even like teenage the Ninja Turtles of the same era, you could allow for some wrinkle because it was supposed to be their skin. Yeah, this was obviously it's, just, it's supposed to be stone, so you can't see any wrinkles. But you never, obviously, you knew it was some sort of suit, but it never kind of 
flashed red. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a suit. <laughs> There's the zipper. <laughs> yeah, None exactly. Of those moments. Right. I think a lot of because he didn't bend his arms like they did a lot of good maybe like, that's it maybe trickery. like he kind of like would stand real stiff he'd like he'd lift his arms up but he would always have them like you know three feet in front of his face right and then when it was the action parts he's just sort of swinging his arms at the camera and then it cuts to like somebody with a fist in their face falling backwards right so yeah maybe that was just a little bit of a good uh good directing and, and effects directing yeah and then uh suit acting for mm-hmm. on his part uh, the Johnny Storm effects, I mean, it was all just animated cartoon, like cell animation kind of stuff. So yeah, just floating over his hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it it wasn't awful. I mean, I, it could have been a lot worse. Honestly, the, the effect it probably, it was the hardest to pull off. And the one that looks the cheapest was Reed Richards oh. flexing arm, which it's just literally clothes on, on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. That was the worst yeah. as far as the effects. Sue Storm's going invisible in force walls. That's like special effects 101 stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really screw that up. Although it starts the whole movie. We're like, oh, I can turn invisible. And then out of nowhere, she starts I can throw putting, force walls. They don't even, It's <laughs> she's not even like, oh, that's new. She just does it. Right. And you need to accept it. Yep. Exactly. I started writing down, I guess they don't get into her telekinesis. Oh, wait, there it is. <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh-huh. It's in the comics, so it should be there. Yeah, but can we explain why she even knows how to do that? Uh huh. I think there was a little uh, flaw there too. They the idea the Fantastic Four they all get their powers because it taps into sort of like their um, their psyche. Their psyche. You know, Reed Richards is always trying to stretch himself and do too many things and all this stuff. And so Reed, Sue Richards or Sue Reed, uh, Sue Storm, whatever her name is, <laughs> Sue Storm. It's supposed to be like you know the shy type that just wants to fade away, but they never wrote her that way. I mean, she no. was the starstruck teen. They're like, "Oh, hi, Re." Uh, yeah. She was always right there in for in the forefront. Um, she would have been as just as good a thing <laughs> as yeah, thing by right. the way they wrote her. Yeah, someone thought they were clever when they wrote all that down, but it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. See, that's something where I'm not familiar enough with the uh, the actual books whether they. If that's a thing or not. If that's a real thing or if that's either. something that they've only done within the films. I have no idea. Because I think they revisit it again in 05. I think that's... It's I've been, been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I believe I believe so. So, yeah, Reed's got this whole project going on because they're like trying to like harness the energy from a comet that only like passes every 10 years. They never say like who's funding this project. Like he's he's working in the Baxter building and there's like a mission control... But it, it, and then he's not surprised when like the military, supposedly the military shows up to rescue them. So this is a government project. Why is the government allowing him to just go to like this boarding house to pick up these two kids that he's known for a while to be on this top secret government project? Mm-hmm. Who's funding this? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, I always just in my head, and maybe I just ignore anything that would say otherwise, I've always just assumed it was privately funded. Somehow Richards has old money or something like that, you know, a family fortune. Then mention it. <laughs> Give me something. I, I think it would have been like, I, I you know, because the, the thing about the Fantastic Four is they're a family, and I never got the family aspect. I just got, well, they've known each other for a while, but that's not a family. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen something of like, you know, make Johnny and Sue just a little bit older, not to the point where they, we've known them since they were kids. Maybe we've known them since they were like 18 or 19. Yeah, And then in like they... They're like, I don't know, interns or they're, they're two people that help out, but they spend a lot of time in the simulator just for fun when like the project is you know shut down for the day. So they turns out they actually know it better than everybody else. Yeah, Things like go. that. Yeah. So when it's time to actually like have your mission and your two other astronauts got really sick, Reed has this crazy idea of letting these two interns that have been there for a bit that won't stop playing in the simulator are the ones that are going to come with them. Because it's a last-minute decision, and this is our window to do what we need to do. And it turns out they're good at it. (laughs) Something different. Okay, so what it boils down to is I actually enjoy this film more than any other Fantastic Four film that's been. You hate it pretty much. You you dislike all of them across the board, it sounds like. (laughs) I've really only seen two. I never really watched Rise of the Silver Surfer, and I wanted to go see the reboot, but it was so horribly reviewed by everyone that I was like, I'm not going to waste my time or money. 
And even though I love the whole cast, I've seen the whole cast and everything else. And but yeah, it, it wasn't just like oh it's bad. It was like oh it's unwatchable, and everyone was saying it's unwatchable. So I, I didn't watch it. I watched it, and actually, I was the opposite to what a lot of the reviews and like you were even saying that you know, they liked the cast and hated the story. The story was passable. I thought it was horribly miscast. Okay, I had a problem with the entire cast. Sure. So that was the 2015, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. So bad that they don't know what they're doing with Fantastic Four. No, no, no one does. And this is the question I had. Do you think the Fantastic Four, I think this has come up before, and I don't know if we really, I've always been hopeful that there's a way to bring a good Fantastic Four film to the screen. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to doubt it. The more I think about it, the more I wonder if this is a property that literally can only exist in the comics. It's Fox that owns the Fantastic Four, and we know that Disney's in the process of acquiring them and getting their properties. The window has passed. It's closed. But I thought it would have been this interesting idea if they had done it sooner. Infinity War ends. Thanos does his snap. Half of humanity's wiped out. Whatever story they're going to tell, cool. But what if the story had gone, Tony Stark doesn't know what to do. The world is devastated. He doesn't know how to like figure out how to combat this. He knows maybe time travel's involved or something has to be built, but he doesn't feel like he's smart enough. So he's going to go talk to an old rival of his, Reed Richards. That would have been a neat way to introduce him. And so Reed decides to bring his team along, Ben Grimm, Johnny, and Sue Storm. And that's how you get your origin to the Fantastic. If something goes during this experiment... And that's what turns them into this. That's how you could introduce them. You can kind of backdoor. Mm-hmm. Backdoor the origin ba- yeah. by wrapping it into... Uh, An Avenger story. Yeah. And then just get into it. Interesting. I think it could have worked. And it could only have been like 15 minutes. You don't right. have to like have them be in the final fight. It could be they go do it and then we just lost contact. We don't know where they are. Right. The, your your post credit scene or something would be read and suddenly his fingers go. Yeah, exactly. Expand, yeah, I think I think if you just get out of the origin story, you can tell something, mm-hmm. and I think that's a w- way that could be done. That is an interesting idea. It's just because the origin story is so. I, f- I forget when the Fantastic Four came about. Fifties, sixties. I'm yeah. sure. It is so rooted in that. Oh, you went into space and gamma rays, and now mm-hmm. you have superpowers. I mean, it's so rooted in that that and then people have tried to either make sense of that or come up with something different and it's like just you need to just move past it and just say they have powers and right you know, do, do, or change the experiment just anything yeah which is anything i think it's what they kind of tried to do in the 2015 did it they they, they didn't go to space with oh, they went to like another dimension it was another dimension it was some sort of dimension something or other yeah um but maybe that's the key. Maybe you just need to quit trying to tell how they got their powers and just, just tell the story. Yeah. Just, they, they have their powers and just tell the story with them using their powers. Don't have them developing their powers. Don't have them – don't do, – do you even want to mess with the uh, – I don't know if I can do this and, oh, yes, you can. And, yeah. You know. Just get out of it. Mm-hmm. And just go and do, just do action adventure. Just right. jump right into the adventure and – And let's skip – Doctor Doom for a little bit. <laughs> kind of how like Spider-Man is like, we're not going to do the Green Goblin for a few movies. Like, yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. tell some other stories. And yeah, because this Doctor Doom was so over the top campy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part where he's like actually like, you know, doing the whole like twiddling his fingers together. <laughs> like, okay, what's my plan? I'm like, really? Like this is something out of like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And he, like, the only thing missing was him just going, good, good. <laughs> like, he did everything else. Like, his hand movements, he was just over the top. And because the thing about Dr. Doom is he's he's kind of more of a sympathetic character than that. He's He's from this, you know, he's from this fictional country. His mother, like, knew about magic, and he was a technological genius. And so he blended magic and science to become what he is. His you know accident is not related to theirs which all of the the other t- these they movies, always tied it they, in. right they always link them no he is separate from them it is it is magic meets science 
Reed is the hard science and Dr. Doom is the magic with a bit of science put in there. And that's where these, these heads butt. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the great fight. Whereas this and the other one is just all science, science on science. And that's boring. I want to see the wizard versus the scientist and his ragtag team. Right. And then, you know, and not necessarily with saying, ah, well, obviously science is better or obviously magic is better, but just, Kind of come come away with the, I guess there's room for both. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you know he he does Doctor Doom does what he did because he was protecting the people of his country. Like he's for them, he's a hero. Right. But then he kind of goes off the rails a little bit with you know what he thinks should and shouldn't happen in the world, and that's when the Fantastic Four is to step in and stop him. And to me, I always looked at it as it took four to stop one. Like he is better and he is smarter mm-hmm. than Reed Richards. Without the other three, Reed can't stop him. Right. But on this, by himself, he took out Doctor Doom with a couple of punches to the face. Because that's the other thing is he doesn't have magic. He doesn't even really have, like, he just has a gun right. and some armor. That's not Doctor Doom. He looked like Doctor Doom, but he didn't do anything else. Right. Yeah, I think Doctor Doom, it, it's a shame that something like Fantastic Four is, you know, spread out amongst these different studios. You know, Marvel or the, mm-hmm. yeah, Marvel, yeah. Uh, and not with the rest of them, so that he could have been developed somehow along with, because yeah, the the entire idea of his his origin, you know, how he came to be, like you were saying, I mean, that's a story in itself. Yeah, uh, the you know he's a hero, but he's evil, but or he he thinks himself right, but those are the best villains are the people that don't think they're doing anything evil. Yeah, which is Thanos, right? As well, you know, that makes him what you know, the, the best kind of villain because he's doing what he believes is, is, is right. And the best for the thing for the universe, Dr. Doom's kind of like that on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know, it would have been great to have more characters like that kind of developed in conjunction with all these other things that have been going on. And actually, I don't know, you create, I don't know, involve them somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what? You could also maybe tell a Fantastic Four movie all from the point of view of, of Victor Von Doom. Imagine if instead of a Fantastic Four origin, it's a Doctor Doom origin, and we see you dedicate time to him growing up and and learning this magic and integrating it with science and protecting his people, and then going to college and meeting Reed Richards, and then the accident happens, and then he goes back, and then he dons the outfit, and then he shows up, and who's waiting for him? Mm-hmm. Is the Fantastic Four? We skip what happened to them. Right. Who cares? They're there. They've gone. Th- it's his movie. Tell it from his point of view. Yeah. Just, and then the second movie is their movie. You could even, there could be a paper laying on, you know, with a picture of the Fantastic Four, maybe even taken from like one of the old comic books, but yeah, and it could even have, not even be in English. Just, right. But you could, you could tell just from Who the picture is. and what the, what's going on. And like, there obviously it's a headline about, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's, they exist. That's their origin. <laughs> they happened. <laughs> we'll accept it. Yeah. I was always, the fans always write the better films, or at least we think <laughs> we do anyway. Well, I guess that's going to do it for 1994's Fantastic Four. I'm sorry you didn't like it as a, uh, you know, I thought you would at least enjoy it a little, but uh, I would have loved it if I was nine years old and it yeah. was for 20. I love that idea that I hadn't thought of that until you said it, but it's like that, is, you know, where was Saban when you needed him? Right. <laughs> this should have gone to him instead of Roger Corman. Yes. Because <laughs> it, it, that is exactly what this this film was. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> as soon as we get that time machine working, we'll uh, we'll figure this stuff out. Right. But I'm, I'm just really surprised that the studio, because they didn't release it. You don't want to make any money? You don't want to make something? Right. So, Sell it to some Saturday well, they obviously Kids had, channel. They obviously had bigger plans. They had some bigger plans for Fantastic Four, that didn't uh, obviously, work. but they they didn't, you know, Oops. it's like, we know we want to do something, but we don't know what we want to do. So just do this so we can hang on to it until we think of something. And they never thought of and it. And they never thought of it. It's it's bizarre. It's one of those stories where you get the idea, you start getting a snapshot of how bizarre things work in Hollywood. Yeah. All right, that is going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, all those great places. Send us an email, timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All the contact info that you heard at the beginning of the show. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, So I guess that is going to do it. Matt, thanks very much. Hopefully 
maybe well, I'll let you pick the next film. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll maybe we can do a turnabout. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Talk to you next time.